Hello, Cougar fans. Welcome back to the Holy City Hoops podcast. Tommy here with you to talk all things College of Charleston basketball. We have three games to recap for you this week, and to help us do it, a first-time guest on the podcast, Anthony Passante. He's a big-time CFC basketball fan. He's also a fellow alum, someone you've seen chiming in on Twitter and probably caught him at a few games throughout the years. We are going to chat about the Furman game, which we were both emotionally ready to finally revisit and discuss. We've got to talk about the Marshall game as well, where the Cougars showed some signs of improvement, still didn't pick up the win, however. And then SC State, we have to discuss the Brevin Galloway injury, what that means for the team moving forward, some of the young guys who stepped up in that game, what they need to be doing to keep playing well and fill in for Brevin. So plenty to discuss in today's episode. One thing we did not talk about, however, how about those Cougars and the pros? Saturday night, if you tuned into NBA TV, you got to see Grant Riller get his first buckets in the NBA, making it look easy for the Charlotte Hornets. And then just a few minutes later with the Utah Jazz, our boy Jarrell Brantley putting in work in his second season in the pros, two Cougars playing in the NBA. It's the new normal. Get used to it. Before we bring in Anthony, remember to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite app. Follow us on social media at Holy City Hoops so you can chat with us throughout the rest of the season. All right, let's get to it. All right, my friends, joining me on the podcast today is a fellow CFC alum and a big-time basketball fan. Anthony Passante is here. We've got three games to talk about. Maybe we go in, in chronological order here because I think there might be somewhat of a narrative. I don't know, Anthony, you and I will figure out today if the Cougars looked better as the season went on or if they just played worse competition. I'm not sure what to make of it, but uh, thank you for being here and uh, I'm excited to chat some CFC hoops with you. Yeah, I think what you just said, is I think it's been a mix of both, and I guess we'll, we'll talk about that, but I'm sure I'm excited to, to be on the podcast and excited to be talking about CFC Hoops. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to believe we're already more than halfway through non-conference play, um, but that is that is the case this season. Well, let's, let's talk Furman. Uh, this is a game I wanted to avoid talking about because it stung for so long, and I, I, I feel like now I'm just kind of laughing about it. And maybe that's a coping mechanism on my part because I just couldn't, I was seething with anger for so long. And I think, I think it was because this game felt like it changed my outlook on the team. The Cougars looked so good in that UNC game and then they destroy Limestone and then we're excited for this Richmond matchup. That obviously doesn't happen. And then Furman was just an absolute stomping on their part. Uh, Definitely an embarrassing loss. What, what were your impressions from that Furman game? Yeah, so initially it stung like like you, um, but when you look at it, I mean, I think Furman's just the better team. They they're they've won fifty games the last two years. They've had three starters, you know, um, who's who've won fifty games the last two years. So they returned a lot of their production. And then on the CFC side, we've had a, we have a lot of new starters. You know, we have Edwards um, and Willis coming in, and it's just been a big adjustment for us. I, I think, like you said, it's. It, it's crazy to think that we're halfway through uh, the non-conference schedule. I mean, it feels like this is almost just like a preseason. Like we haven't even really figured out our team, so trying not to get too too up or too down on any of these games. But yeah. it was definitely a stinger on this Furman game. Yeah, and we should mention why the Richmond game didn't happen because Furman and CFC were po- supposed to play Richmond. Richmond shuts things down due to a positive COVID case, so. Rather than both those teams missing games, they made the smart decision to just play one another. Where do you stand on 
you know, what the coaching staff was saying after this Furman game, they talked about how they didn't have the usual preparation that they would. They were, you know, obviously psyched up for the Richmond game. And then they that got pulled out from under their feet. Uh, do you think that played a, a factor in how lopsided this game was? Yeah, for sure. So, like, I follow Brevin on Instagram, and all week he was, like, posting things how he's excited for, like, a rematch and uh, yeah. excited to play Richmond. So I think mentally this definitely affected them, clearly. Um, so I think that was a big factor. And then having to, like, switch gears and be like, oh, we're playing Furman on short notice and, and to play such a hard team. It's not like, you know, Furman's obviously really good. So uh, it would be different if we were playing, like, SC State, you know, or, or some kind of lower competition team that it wouldn't matter as much. But I think it just exposed us even more. Yeah. And Furman just blitzed the Cougars from the start. Um, you know, I, I mentioned this in my recap on HolyCityHoops.com, but the first thing Coach Grant said in the pregame was, we got to stop their transition offense. 30 seconds into the game, Furman r- sprints down the court and gets a dunk. And then they they play defense on the other end. They immediately start swarming Zep Jasper. Cougar offense has trouble setting up anything in the first like 20 seconds of the shot clock. And then on offense, Furman was just whipping the ball around, getting great shots. They had, what was it, 11 threes in the first half alone. Uh, their shooting splits for the game were just absurd. It was, it was like a shooting practice. And I think you talked about identity of this team and, and figuring it out on the fly without a preseason. This Cougar team is supposed to be good on defense. They have did not look good on defense in either of the Furman or Marshall games. And it's not like their offense is is super advanced. It's pretty simple and, and pretty predictable. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, so it's funny. Um, if you watch, if you were watching the game, they literally didn't even show the first dunk. It happened so quickly when they got that. <laughs> the it camera didn't get like, to it. Yeah, like it literally wasn't even on the highlight. So. I mean, that just speaks how quickly and, you know, like you said, the coaches really wanted to eliminate that. So I, I knew right away that that wasn't a good start. I mean, um, and then on the flip side, I think that Furman, it was a tough matchup for us. They have all five starters could shoot three pointers and they kind of exposed us early um, with mm-hmm. the matchup on Smart and Gurley because Gurley could stretch the floor. And, you know, as we know, Smart, he's a dominant down low defender, but he kind of, you know, he's not outside perimeter to defense and perimeter offense really isn't his thing. So I think that that was kind of a huge mismatch early. Um, and just defensively, we're not switching. So like they were able to score easily because they were driving and kicking it out to wide open three point shooters. And then when you dig a hole, you're down 15 early. It's just hard to overcome that. And I think that's kind of what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the offensive night, some of our top scores had uh, Galloway finished with just five points Willis only had seven to that point. They had seemed like the two guys to most obviously be the leading scorers on the team. And then you get a goose egg from Edwards in the starting lineup. You get zero points from Tucker. Cam Copeland had just four points in this game after nearly having a double double the game prior. Um, So yeah, tough, tough night for the offense, tough night for the defense. Did you have any, uh, any silver linings from this game? Any positives? Yeah, there there was like an eight. There was an eight zero run in the second half. I think it was um, Epps, King, Tucker, and Zepp were out there, and and then you could see kind of Epps was like getting into it emotionally, and I kind of mm-hmm. liked seeing at least they showed some kind of fight. I mean, the, the, the game was over, but I I agree a hundred percent. I we are hard on D'Angelo Epps here, but that game he looked to be the guy who was giving the most of a crap about about winning that game, and he had a hard fought eight points in that that contest so i i agree yeah, yeah d'angelo apps came to play in that game 
Yeah, so uh, agreed. Uh, I think it was just nice to see them, the younger guys, kind of taking it personal and, and showing some emotion there. So yeah. And Dante King, at this point, he was still coming off the bench, but he chipped in 11 points. People have said this on, on the CFC message board. I forget who, but he's like a young, untamed stallion that you just you need to force feed minutes to. And he's going to make some mistakes. He's going to have some freshman mistakes. But uh, as we saw after this game, he got put in the starting lineup. And I think you got to you got to let him play through some of this stuff because the talent is is very obviously there with Dante King. Yeah, and um, side story here, I, I was actually playing pickup ball. I play a lot in Charleston, and um, so about a month ago, I'm at one of the local gyms, and, and Don Tavis comes in, and, and man, this dude is a monster. Like, <laughs> I'm 6'4", 230, and he made me look small. And, and he was just throwing down crazy dunks, and it was just, I was like, okay, like <laughs> this is pretty cool. Um, and so I really think, like you said, he, he's – He's got the potential, and you, you see it there. There's definitely some times where he's a little bit sporadic and, like, you know, a little bit uncon- uncontrolled. But I think at the same time, we got to give him the minutes to let him work through that stuff and, and get the experience. So I'm definitely agreeing with you there. Yeah, he uh, he might have an all-rookie season. I think I mentioned this on the last pod, which would be the first time someone from CFC has has ended up on that all-rookie team. Um, yeah, big big fan of Dante. Last thing I wanted to mention with this game was there was some chatter afterward from some folks online about the SOCON versus the CAA. And obviously, Charleston came from the SOCON. They eventually left to jump to the CAA. Now, both these conferences have kind of uh, diverged paths at this point, and, and the SOCON is is looking pretty good. Where do you stand on the debate that Charleston should have stayed in the SOCON and should not have gone to the CAA? So I think overall... I would put the conferences on pretty much the same level, so I don't really buy into that debate. Uh, I think clearly, though, you could say the SoCon's been the better conference the last two years mm-hmm. um, between Wofford, East Tennessee State, Fer- Furman, UNC Greensboro. I mean, all four of those teams pretty much have won 50 or more games the last two years. I mean, you can't really say that at all about the CAA. So <clears throat> I think there's no debate. So the SoCon's been a better conference the last two years, but Overall, I think if you look back before that, you know, the CAA looked really good when we had Northeastern and CFC when we were really clicking and everything. So I I don't know. I think it's just going to go back and forth every three or four years, you know what I mean? But overall, the conferences are pretty similar. Yeah, I agree. And I I think you can't deny that the SOCON is the better league right now. But like you just said, you have to think about what went into the decision at the time when CAA CFC did it and the SOCON is having maybe it's highest profile basketball stretch since Steph Curry was there. And when you go back to, uh, to 2013, when CFC left, Davidson had departed the te- the conference was super focused on football, which CFC obviously can't contribute to at all and mm-hmm. was, was on the way down. And the CAA was coming off multiple seasons with multiple teams going to the NCAA tournament the SoCon still, for for how good they've been lately, has never had a, a multi-bit season. So I um, I still think it was the right decision for CFC at the time. And I think, yeah, I think things will just shift back and forth as teams get, you know, good recruits coming in or, or good coaches. The SoCon's got some great coaches that are starting to get poached off, like, uh, like Mike Young and the East Tennessee coach. So I, I think it'll swing back and forth, but I... Do not regret the decision for Charleston. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with everything you said. That's 
All right, should we sh- switch gears to the Marshall game, or is there anything else from Furman you want to talk about? Um, no, I'm good. I think we touched everything for Furman. I'm, I'm just happy to be past that game. So. <laughs> exactly. All right, so the Marshall game, there is no excuse for lack of preparation. This game was always on the schedule. It was not canceled. It was the exact date we thought it was. So you figured you would maybe see better effort, better performance. And I think in this game, we saw some flashes. It wasn't just as abominable as the Furman game was, but ultimately this Marshall team pulled away on the backs of some really nice offense from, from their coach. And um, Charleston wasn't able to, to hang on. So what what did you think? Yeah, so similar to the Furman game, I, I do think Marshall's the better team, right? So I don't think we – it was like a, a huge surprise that we lost. Um, I think it was there's definitely some positives. Like you said, that, that 14-0 run um, was really nice to see because we, we got down early against Furman and we never really showed any fight. Um, mm-hmm. And it was, it was nice to come back and, and tie it up there. Um, so show some flashes of our, our defense. Obviously, um, Grant, you know, that's his – that's his backbone is having a good defense. And it was nice to finally see some of that. Um, I know like the last couple of years, we'd have some games where we'd go on these 14 0 runs or 15 0 runs or 10 0 runs, you know what I mean? And it was always just by playing really good defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was really positive to see that. But I think some of the similar issues we saw versus Ferdman, we kind of got exposed on those same issues, leaving guys wide open on three pointers and uh, just yep. not switching and communicating on defense. Yeah, and it was a it was a pro style offense. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, Coach D'Antoni is the brother of Mike D'Antoni, and we were seeing I don't know how many alley oops Marshall tried to throw against CFC. It was at least three or four, and they connected on a few of them. Tons of threes, and Charleston wasn't able to uh, to contest those very well. I think they ended up shooting like fifty five plus percent from three for the game. Just absurd, absurd hot shooting. But we, yeah, that 14-0 run, we saw some fight. I thought Zepp looked really good during that stretch. I actually went back and rewatched it. And during that 14-0 run, he had seven points on his own and then was making some plays for other guys and making some plays on defense. Um, Galloway and Willis kind of bounced back from their cool shooting against Furman. Galloway has a, a new career high in this game. He has 27. Um, both those guys, I think, were the only scores for Charleston for like well into the first half. So there were some positives, but ultimately just ran out of gas uh just couldn't keep up with this this Marshall team and you said they they're probably the better team they were picked to finish third in, in conference USA so they look like they're a contender but um yeah ultimately just just ran away from Charleston yeah and, and I think uh, another note was just they have the leadership of of, of some experienced guys uh Kinsey he's just a straight up scorer they would just give it to him in the post and he'd just go to work and make like these floater fadeaway jumpers that was just we don't have that right now on our mm-hmm. team you know uh and then he saw at the end of the game they let just west uh similar to Zep, where he would just hold the ball at the top of the key wait let that play clock go all the way down and then make a play look like joe chile out there it's a yeah I mean, it, was move. Like, it was so frustrating i mean you have to just kind of respect it because it was, it was just yeah. so nice um it was just so it was, it was just, it was tough, you know, and, and I think having that senior leadership at the point guard position just kind of showed there that. Yeah, I agree. Um, there's just so many times with the, with the Charleston offense where they go in these cold spells. I think they had like a five minute stretch without a point after they took the lead in the second half, which is about the time 
the UNC run happened. Charleston goes up early in the second half, and then the opponent just goes on this big-time run. Um, I did want to talk about the change in the starting lineup in this game because our guy, Dante King, gets the starting nod over Edwards in this game, but kind of showed some of those freshman tendencies. I think he had like an early goaltend, a couple frustration fouls, got yanked. Didn't contribute as much as he did off the bench, but again, I'll I'll repeat, you uh, you need to be giving him some minutes. I think he's the only big guy on the team who who can put the ball on the the floor and and dribble and, and make a post move, so... Uh, you you kind of have to live with those mistakes. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you look at when he's actually out on the on the floor, and, and his his usage rate is extremely high. I mean, he's we struggle having people like just take over and go ISO and score, and he's one of the only people on the team that can do that. So I think having him out there is imperative to our future success. And I'm just I think we've touched on it, you know, previously, but just we got to give that guy minutes. Period. Last thing from this game, just going back to the defense and, and how porous it is. I tweeted this out. Between the Furman and the Marshall games, Charleston allowed 28 for 55 from deep. Uh, so that's 51% three-point shooting to the Paladins and Thundering Herd. And both teams obviously scored 80-plus, which is just way, way too many points for an Earl Grant defense. I know Coach Powell was was talking about it post-game, and that's not the way they want to play, but... That's the way they've played so far against these good teams. They just can't seem to to stop anyone. Do do you have any thoughts on on what's missing from from the defense? Do you think it's just the lack of preparation, or do you think it's a personnel thing, or or what? I think it's just the lack of playing together. I mean, you know, what I mean, between adding Willis and Edwards and and just some of the younger guys, I think it's just it's going to take a few games, or you know, to really just gel and get that chemistry. Um, I'm hoping to see it, you know going forward but i think it's just going to take some time anything else from this one no i think that's it for me all right well let's move on to the game the cougars won uh the game this past weekend sc state uh comes into this game one of the worst teams in division one basketball i think they were in the bottom five of ken palm they were zero and five hard to believe they actually played five games before this with with everything going on but yeah zero and five coming in Chance for Charleston to get back on the right track. They did so, but I think the story from this game is the Brevin Galloway injury. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday. I I don't think there's been an official diagnosis yet. We're just reading the tea leaves from Brevin's uh, Instagram, right? Yeah, yeah. I saw he mentioned the ACL on his on his uh, story there, and hopefully it's nothing long term. But I mean, we just don't know yet. I'm going to guess he's going to miss some significant time just yeah. based, based on yeah. um, based on the way he went down and coming back on crutches. I don't know. I don't know if we'll see him this year, but I'm just I'm, I'm anticipating we're not going to have him. And if he does come back, it would be a surprise to me. So I'm just I'm going to work under the, the assumption that he's not going to play. Yeah, I think you're right. Right. Unfortunately, um, and that I feel swallowed, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, obviously a blow to Charleston. This is a guy who's their leading scorer. He's the only All CAA dude on the team in the preseason. Um, I don't think Charleston was going to compete for a championship this season. Maybe if everything fell correctly, they would. But whatever their ceiling was, takes a hit from an injury like that. I think the silver lining maybe is that. Maybe the offense now starts to become more balanced. Um, I kind of got the the sense that 
Brevin in some of these games was just replacing Grant Riller from last season. Like the the coaching staff never developed a real offense. They were like, we're just going to do what we did last year and just sub in Brevin Galloway for Grant Riller. It's still like a lot of standing around and kind of one-on-one plays. So maybe we'll see with guys like Tucker and Epps and Harvey coming in who, who showed some good signs in this game. We'll see them get a longer leash in this one and, and truly see some more balance on offense. What do you think? Yeah, so like you said, um, a lot of the times we were just running offense to Brevin and just having him chuck up a three-pointer. And like that's great because he's a great three-point shooter, but at the same time the ball was never really moving around. Yeah. So if there's any kind of silver lining or positive to take, it's like you said, just we got to see maybe a more balance on offense and the ball moving a little bit more. Um, obviously, it's a huge loss defensively. I mean, his steals per game. And yeah. It's just such a force. It's just like a little gnat picking up the ball. So not having him out there is going to hurt big time on both sides. But just going to have to – at least we'll get to see some of the younger guys get some more playing time. Just build off of that. Yeah, these younger guys the past couple of years haven't haven't played much with um, – having to sit behind guys like Cheely and Riller and Brantley. And now they're going to be thrown into the fire a little bit more. And one of them we should talk about is Brendan Tucker, who had his best game as a Cougar in this one. Uh, he's struggled with inefficiency and, and with consistency in his young career so far. But this game, he looked the part. I mean, he was doing a Grant Riller impression. He had 16 points, never missed from the field. He was showing some of that end to end speed and, I think when when he gets the rebound and he just goes, I feel like he can do that every game. Like that's an easy four to six points for Charleston. Just put the ball in Brendan Tucker's hand and let him go to the rim and either shoot free throws or or get a layup because his speed is something that I don't think many other guys in the CAA are going to have. Yeah, and, and like you said, I mean, he just flies across the court, and we don't really have that on the team. It's usually just, you know, Zepp taking it up slowly and, mm-hmm. and running the half-court step. It's just so nice and refreshing to see uh, someone, you know, like you said, just go coast-to-coast and, and go up and score. And it, I think it's definitely a huge boost uh, for to his confidence, and hopefully going forward we'll be able to contribute more um, scoring. Know who else uh, I think built some confidence in this game is Keegan Harvey. He had eight points, but he, this was our my first time because he didn't really do much in the limestone game. I was looking back. I don't think he even scored, but you kind of see the potential with him in this game. He like, he moves really well for a guy that size and a guy that age. And, you know, he hasn't shown the shooting touch yet, but he was like active on the glass he was navigating the zone defense when it got thrown out at, at Charleston. And I don't know. I came, I came away feeling pretty good about his trajectory as a player. What, what are your thoughts on Keegan Harvey? Yeah, so he's an interesting guy. He, you know, he's from Australia. He's kind of got that, um, that foreign type of play style. Where, you know, he's kind of a little bit nifty around the rim and stuff. And he didn't even start his senior year in high school. He played for the top team, one of the top teams in the nation. Yeah. Um, so there's not a lot of tape out there on him. But from what I've seen, I mean, he's he's played really well. And I think he's kind of earned some more playing time. Um, and, and what the Cougars lack a lot is the size. And it's nice to have some a big down there, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that can help smart or, or just offset when he's not in the game. And I, I think he's kind of earned some more playing time. We'll see, you know, what the coaching staff decides to do. But he's impressed for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I like him a lot. Um, one thing I've, I've noticed so far, it's so hard to glean 
actual insights from these games. I You probably learned as much from the SC State game as you did from the Limestone game. But there is definitely a big difference in how guys like Copeland and Tucker and even King and Harvey play against lower competition versus higher competition. And I pulled some some numbers. Cam Copeland had 18 in the Limestone game and then 10 total points in the other four games this year. Brendan Tucker had 25 points in the Cougars' two wins. He had a total of four points in their three losses. Dontavious King had 25 in their two wins, 19 in their three losses. And Keegan Harvey had eight points in this game, like I mentioned, uh, a total of three points in the other four games. So moving forward, especially without Galloway, you would hope that guys like Copeland and Tucker would prove that they can score and contribute against these against better competition because so far we've only really seen it against the the doormat teams. Yeah, and I think um, I touched on, you know, not getting too upset about the Furman and Marshall losses because they're the better team. I mean, and then, like you said, South, SC State, is they're honestly probably the worst team in Division One. Yeah, yeah they um, just they're, They don't return really any of their starters, I don't think, from last year. They're, there's two freshmen starting. So I don't want to get too high, you know, just like we're not getting too low in other games. But there was definitely – it will be interesting to see how how they perform against some of the, you know the CAA teams and stuff and and going forward. But I, I think it's going to be it's going to be a huge factor going forward. Yeah, I know when Brevin missed the Limestone game, Epps took over as the starter. Do you see him as the as the fifth starter moving forward? You know, he's played pretty inefficient lately, and it's tough to say it, but I think he he still deserves a chance, and I think he brings the energy and the emotional factor that the team really needs. Yeah. Um, so I think he should at least get the, the start, and, and if you know if he starts playing poorly or whatever, I think we can give some of the other guys some minutes, but you got to give it to him. I mean, he played really well last year, and I think he might just be you know going through a little bit of a stretch right now that he's struggling a little bit. But I think we let him work through that. He seems like he might be the most well-liked guy on the team. Like guys were standing up when he made that three. And he is such an emotional guy and hasn't found a shooting touch really this season. But he's such a hard worker. He's tenacious on defense. So I agree. I think you play him at the three where he's probably more positionally suited because of his size. And you hope that he brings the energy, that he brings some toughness, that he you know, brings all those characteristics that you need as a winning team um and then you keep tucker coming off the bench you keep king in the starting lineup and uh, that, that starting five still pretty solid I, I was impressed with the starting five against unc and now you have king in there yeah. instead of edwards um uh, it st- still should be a pretty solid group yeah i think the one thing that he, he'll bring is his ability to drive to the rim similar to, to king is he can and get to the free throw line something i've noticed this year is just our inability to to get the ball close to the basket, right? Yeah. And we're just not getting to the free throw line as much as we need to be. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think before this SC State game, uh, we were only averaging 13 free throws per game. Mm-hmm. Um, the last two years, we averaged over 17 free throws per game. So I think, um, you know, it's important to get to the rim and have guys out there that can get to the rim. Um, so I think that, that that should help that, hopefully, you know. Yeah, and I saw some of that from Zepp um, in the Marshall game and in the SC State game where sometimes he just like gets in a mood and he just puts his head down and goes to the rim. I don't know how many free throws he shot in the SC State game, but I feel like it was maybe a team high. 
Uh, and then Brendan Tucker can do it too. And he, he had trouble making his free throws, but he's been making them recently. Yeah, and I think we attempted like 26 free throws in that game. And I think that's like indicative, indicative of like our ability to get to the rim. And, and hopefully, obviously it was against lesser competition, but I think we need to continue that trend and just keep pushing the ball and, and try to get more aggressive there. Yeah, I'd like to see that. Um, so looking ahead, there is a game against Western Carolina at the end of this week. It'll be a full week from the time the Cougars last played. This is the, would be the second non-conference road game. Uh, and then they finish on the road a few days later. What do you want to see from this team against against West Carolina? Uh, do you want to see you know guys stepping up, uh, a more cohesive offense, a, a better defense? What, what are you looking for? Yeah, so I have down in my notes is be more aggressive driving, like like we just said, be more aggressive driving to the basket and get to the free throw line. I think if we can get, you know, the 20 free throw attempts or more, that's going to that's gonna equal more wins. Um, one thing I, I haven't touched on is Peyton Willis. I think he really needs to be more assertive as a scorer. Um, last year for Minnesota, he, his usage rate was sub 15%, which was the lowest on out of the starters for Minnesota. I think he's kind of gotten stuck in that mentality of being like a facilitator. Uh, but it would be really nice to kind of see him more assertive uh, scorer, you know. He, he's so efficient, too. Like his... Well, that's the thing, yeah. So, yeah, you you want him to maybe sacrifice some of that efficiency, but be more aggressive, like get to the rim, you know, shoot the threes yeah, when it's shows, open. He shows tons of flashes of being able to score. It's just like sometimes he'll go, we'll go like a 10-minute stretch, and you're like, oh, you know. Where, why hasn't he t- attempted a shot, you know? So it's been tough, I think, for him to make that transition of a facilitator, facilitator to be more the, the guy that, to score, you know? Um, so I'd kind of like to see him be more assertive, and I think it will help us. Yeah, I think Willis and Jasper are going to be solid from here on out. Um, both are obviously going to have to step up with, with no Brevin Galloway. I'd like to see someone other than those two show out in this game. So... One of the guys who has been inconsistent show that they belong in the starting or belong in the rotation and can help pick up some of the slack. I, I don't care if it's OC or if it's Tucker or if it's Epps or if it's King. I just want to see someone have a good performance against a good team other than Willis or Jasper because we know we're, we're probably going to get it from those two guys. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. I, I think it's going to be King, but we'll see. It could be Tucker or both. It would be nice. Yeah, um, but we'll see how it turns out. Yeah, I will say this season might. I don't know. By the end of the season, I wonder how we'll be feeling about those underclassmen because going into this season, you know, we had some transfers coming in. We stayed an older team, and I don't know. I was a little wary about the uh, the freshmen and didn't know what to expect, especially because the last two classes haven't really impressed. I think the whole. The whole class that should be juniors now is departed. Uh, that was McClooney, Richard, and Moore. Um, and then yeah. we had uh, some guys transferred out last season. So, I don't know, maybe our tune will change because um, King looks like a keeper, Harvey looks like a keeper, and now Tucker looks like a keeper, and Epps might be a starter. So that all of a sudden, like how I feel about those young guys uh, may change, especially if they finish the season strong. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's been kind of frustrating not having – you know, some of the underclassmen uh, step up the last couple of years. So it'd be, it's definitely going to be different this year. Like you said, we might not compete for the conference title, but it'll be exciting to see how those guys develop and then uh, our outlook going forward the next few years. You kind of miss 
guys like Brantley and Riller who from day one just show that they belong. Uh, Brantley was was freshman of the year and he was, you know, a double double guy right off the bat. And then Riller first couple games, he's, you know, scores 20 plus a couple times. And um, yeah, you kind of forget that a lot of guys are not like that. And a lot of guys need time to develop. And now they should be getting some minutes, um, which which should bode well for the future. But um, we'll have to have to yeah. wait and see. We've been so spoiled by this. Yeah, I know. It's, just, it's <laughs> kind of depressing, but hopefully, you know, some will step up and and develop, like you said. I mean, there's, they're they're young, so it's going to take some time. Who do you uh, who do you like most out of that group? Out of let's say um, the sophomores and the freshmen. I mean, I love King. I, I'm really high on him. I think we taught both both like King a lot. And I, yeah. I, I, I like Tucker. I think the potential is there. I think he really needs to limit those turnovers and and just just focus you know just play a little bit cleaner game again he's young and he doesn't have a lot of experience but i I like his athleticism a ton and i think he could definitely develop into a a really good player yeah yeah those would probably be my top two as well um all right well did we did we miss anything Uh, i think we touched on everything i think this this next game or two is going to be really telling um so hopefully you know hopefully we get we can pull some more positives out of those games yeah yeah, we'll see. And then we get into the weirdness of conference play with the back-to-back games every weekend and who knows. I don't even know what to think of the CAA. I mean, half the teams aren't aren't even playing and some look really sharp and some look really bad. The schedules are all over the place. So who knows? Um we'll just yeah. we'll just hope that the Cougars can work on themselves and, you know, start to show some cohesion and and maybe they can uh, surprise some people in in the CAA. Agreed. Definitely. All right, Anthony. Well, Appreciate you coming on this week. Um, appreciate your insight on the team. For anyone who wants to follow uh, Anthony, he's on Twitter at WXFantasy, Charleston Sharker. Uh, you probably see him during the game chats when we're when we're talking Cougar hoops and we're watching our flow hoops. <laughs> um, but uh, do you want to leave the people with anything else? No, just uh, thanks for having me. It was, it was great to talk some CFC hoops and uh, go Cougs. Go Cougs. Appreciate it, man.